Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. We're going to get straight into it this morning, and uh, if you've been reading along, we're in the the, uh, series on the Gospel according to Mark, and we are up to chapter 10, 9, 11... We're up to chapter 10 this morning, so we're over halfway. We're coming toward the, the uh, climax of the gospel. And uh, I just encourage you, as you've been reading along, to, to be listening to what the Lord is saying, not just here on a Sunday, but in your own personal times. If you haven't already picked up the book, you've still got some more time, a couple more weeks to get into it. Uh, we really want to be on the same page with this and just following what Jesus is saying to us as a church. We see that one of the, the central themes, and I think I shared this last time I was here as well, of, of God, Mark's gospel, particularly in the, in the beginning chapters, is the introduction of the kingdom of God as it is coming to hand in the place at that time. Now, humanity has always had this kind of idea that, that there is a, a time to come. There's kind of an afterlife, whatever it may look like or whatever it may be. And uh, we see that God's people particularly were looking towards that time that was to come and uh, as something that was real far off. But when Jesus came, he actually announced that the kingdom is right here. The kingdom is at hand. And so we, we, we see the introduction of this tension of the kingdom that is not yet and the kingdom that is now. But in doing so, he gives us the the understanding that it's not just about waiting till he comes back or waiting to get to uh, some sort of heaven-type destination, that it is possible right now to experience the benefit of the kingdom of God to experience the reality of the kingdom of God. And you'll see that particularly as we look at Mark chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, uh, Jesus is starting to really kind of reshape the paradigm of thinking around the kingdom as to what it may be to come, but what it is right now as well. And so you see these multiple kind of reality checks that Jesus gives to particularly his disciples, but anyone around him as well gets kind of involved in this. And so he's giving them multiple ideas, uh, changing, shifting, challenging their understanding and their thinking. And this morning, I want to look at a couple of uh, reality checks that Jesus gives in Mark chapter 10. Now, I'll say it's a reality check, but it's more of a kingdom reality check. he's, He's explained already that the kingdom is not of this world. It doesn't look anything like this world. It operates totally differently to this world. And so we need the perspective to look from an eternal kind of perspective on what the kingdom of heaven is, the kingdom of God is. Yeah? with me? Good. So I'll tell you a story. There was a uh, Sunday school teacher, and I'm sure it wasn't you, Mel, back when you were doing Sunday school. And I'm sure it wasn't John who's here doing Sunday school. Uh, Probably someone in a different kind of church that uh, was leading Sunday school one time. And uh, as part of their lesson, they were talking to the kids about the idea of heaven. And so they asked the question, uh, if I was to do everything that I could To never, ever, ever say a bad word about a person again, would I be allowed to go to heaven? And the kids together shouted out, no. 
And so she said, well, if I was to take all of my clothes and all of my extra you know, furniture and all those things and I donated them to, to the salvos, would I then be allowed to go to heaven? And they shouted out, no, not a trick one. And then and she was like, well, what if I did like the real most holiest thing you could ever do and go to Bible college? It's not really the most holy thing you could ever do. But what if I did this and then I, became, I, I devoted my whole life to serving the Lord in the church? Then can I go to heaven? And they're like, no. And she said, well, what do I have to do then? And little Johnny at the back stands up and he says, well, you need to be dead. But this question has kind of plagued humanity. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to make it to the other side, to to experience heaven or the kingdom of God as we would know it? And we're going to read from a passage of Scripture where that question is actually asked directly to Jesus. We're going to read from Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And if you're with me, I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Verse 17 says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You should know that you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud. Honor your mother, your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I have kept all these since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. We're actually quite blessed with the way that Mark puts this together because he gives not just the example and the account of what is happening, but he tells us a few things about how it is happening. And we see this man who uh, Mark, Mark says is a man and later he says is wealth, has a lot of wealth. But if we look at Luke's account, we see that uh, Luke called him a ruler, said that he had a position of authority. And uh, Matthew's account also says that he was young, which is where we get the idea of the rich, young ruler. Whilst Mark doesn't necessarily say that, we see this through the, the three synoptic gospels being put together. But Mark does give us a description of not just what's happening, but how it's happening. And so he says that this man comes to the feet of Jesus and falls at his feet. Now, if you've noticed throughout Mark's gospel, we've seen this multiple times. We saw Jairus, who ran and fell at the feet of Jesus. We saw a woman who was hit with an issue of blood, who was healed and fell at the feet of Jesus. We see people coming and kneeling before Jesus. And Mark wants us to know that this is how this interaction began. It began from what seems to be a genuine position where I really, really want to know. And, and I'm going to throw myself before you to see what it is. We also see that Mark says that, that uh, there in verse 21 that Jesus looked at him with love. He's giving framework to what 
the way that this was taking place, not just how, what, what was happening, but how it was happening. This whole encounter is wrapped in grace and love. Jesus looked at this man in his struggle to follow what he had said with love. And then we also see at the end of that, that passage there that this man was sad. He was actually disappointed and, and grieved because he could not do what Jesus had pointed out that he needed to do. So this interaction is not a fight. It's not a, a wrestle. It's a gracious interaction that we see. It seems like a genuine good question that he's asking. But he asks the question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Whenever mankind has put themselves at the starting point of that question, we find ourselves in trouble. When we ask what it is that we must do to inherit eternal life, and we then think that we are the ones who are able to give or receive eternal life, then we put ourselves on the wrong side. And that's where we come up with religion, which is our effort to make ourselves right and to inherit eternal life on our own merit. But, so he comes to Jesus with that in mind, that uh, there's got to be something that I have to do in order to do this in order to receive eternal life. And uh, Jesus, we, we know, points him back then to the commandments. And this man, the, the idea of being a ruler, would have uh, possibly meant that he was a ruler in the synagogue. And Jesus gives him, thanks, Bunny, nice, nice shirt, by the way. Jesus gives him this statement and he says to him, you already know the commandments. And so he's like, a little bit further for the light. Good? You see it? And so he's like, what do I have to do? And then Jesus is like, well, you know the commandments. He says, you shall not commit, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and your mother. And so he's like, you, you know what is necessary, you know what is required. And the man is like, yes, I do. And I have done all of these things since I was a young boy. I've kept all of those commandments since I was young. Young. And then Jesus says to him, Well, there's one thing that you lack. You may have done those things, but there's still something else that's missing. And for this man, he says that one thing is that he should sell all that he has, all of his wealth, give it away. Give it to the poor and then come follow him. So he's like, yes, I've ticked it all off. And then Jesus is like, well, there's still something else here. And if it wasn't that, it would probably be something else. We know that if we try to keep the law in our own strength and uh, we can keep all of it except for one thing. And, and the word of God says that in breaking the one thing, 
you've actually broken all of the law. So the law wasn't there for us to, to make, make ourselves feel good about salvation, that we could earn it. It actually showed up that we, in our own strengths, are not able to save ourselves. We are not able to do this. And so he says to him, there's one thing that you lack. There's always one. I don't know about you, but it seems like there's always one thing. You kind of going through life and you're following Jesus and it's like, yep, 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 I'm doing real good here. Bang, bang, devotions, prayer, worship, whatever it may be. And then Jesus is kind of like, but hang on a second, there's just one other thing. Am I the only one? Because you see here that this is, um, the essence of this is, He's talking to this man about finances, about wealth, but it's not really the issue. I want to bring this as a uh, kingdom reality check. Number one, it's not really about what you've got. It's about what's really got you. It's not really about what you've got. It's about what's really got you. As Jesus says to him, sell all your stuff give it to the poor, and then come follow me, it shows up in this man's heart what is really his God. What has the highest place of priority in his life, which was his wealth. And he was sad that he couldn't give it up to go and follow Jesus. So Jesus isn't really just dealing with the, the money that he has. He's dealing with the way that money has him. That this wealth has become his God. That this wealth has become his priority. That earning and, and ruling and the authority, potentially the position that he held, has become the thing that he would not let go of to follow Jesus. And it might not be for you the exact same thing, but I dare to submit that there perhaps are some things that may be in our hearts that would stop us from fully engaging with God. So what's your one thing? Or maybe it's a two thing. Or maybe it's a 20 thing. Maybe it's a 200 thing. And in grace, Jesus points out that you you want to inherit the, the kingdom, you want to inherit eternal life but you're actually putting more value on what you've got in this life than what I could actually do or give you anyway. It's not a formula that Jesus is giving us. Otherwise, all of us should sell everything we have, give it to the poor, and then follow the Lord. We like to make formulas from what we see in the Scripture. It's not a formula, it's a personal thing that he is saying to this man that unless you let go of that, unless you're willing to just lay that down, then you're never going to be able to fully engage with me. Because he's not after your wealth, he's after your heart. He wants your heart as you follow him. So whatever it is that may have hold of your heart, that is which we are called to lay down as we follow him. So what's your one thing? Have a think about it, pray about it, ask God what it is that may be in your heart. Jesus as well then doesn't barter with him. 
international travel has just opened up again. And uh, Aussie, uh, you know, WA's favourite playground is Bali. Who's already been to Bali since the borders open? Anyone want to dob themselves in? No one? But I went over to Bali, what would have been like 12 years ago or something now. And um, I had this experience where I'm walking down the streets and some person out of, felt like they were coming out of a side alley or something, popped out and said, hey, Aussie, hey, Aussie, you come, you come, you buy, you buy. I'm really bad at, at accents. <laughs> but that was meant to be Indonesian, Balinese. Anyway, he's like, you come, you buy, you buy. And he like leads us down this like alleyway to this little shop. And in his shop, there's like this, there's so many different clothes. And if you've ever been to Bali, you'll know the pinnacle of Balinese clothing is, show us, the Bintang shirt, right? You can tell that the borders have been closed by the amount of Bintang shirts there are in Perth right now. You watch, mark my words, there's going to be a flood of Bintang shirts coming out. But this was not just the pinnacle of Balinese clothing. This was also a bartering point. Everyone familiar with what bartering is? Bartering where you give a price, where they give a price, and then you're like, no way I can pay that. And then they match, they come down a little bit, and you kind of have this little war where you're kind of going back and forth about what you're going to pay. And I remember this guy showing me like three or four shirts, which were worth about two bucks. And he's like, yeah, I'll give these to you and a couple of Bintang singlets uh, for like 50 Aussie. I'm like, bro, (laughs) I can buy that back in Australia. I'm not paying that. And then I'm like, how about I give you $1.50? And then he's like, no, how about you give me this and and you'll never find this anywhere else. Please. And and we're going back and forth. and, And in my softness and gentleness... I just submit to his demands, to the hostage that he was taking me as, uh, and just pay, you know, quite a high price. Then as we're leaving this place, guess what happens? Someone else comes. Hey, Aussie, you buy, you buy, takes us to another shop. And it's identical. It's all the same stuff. And he's trying to sell me what I've already bought in the other shop. But I found this out that there is actually a little way of identifying who cannot barter. Did you know this trick? What they do? They give you a certain colored bag. And so if they give you a blue bag when you, are, uh, when you buy your stuff, then it says that you, you actually can barter. Like you, you, you don't mess with that person. They aren't paying full price. But if they give you a black and gold bag, that means that you're an easy target. Yeah, so I'm walking around with 44 black and gold bags and, and everyone's like, come to our shop. But Jesus doesn't barter. You notice that? I mean, this rich young ruler turns to walk away and Jesus lets him go. He doesn't say, hey, 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 Ozzy. Hey, hey, come back. How about, how, how about we just negotiate the terms of this? Maybe you just give a little bit sell a, a couple of things and then come follow me. Jesus looks at him with love and lets him go. Because if he's unable to do that, he actually won't be able to do what he will lead him into later in life. 
Jesus doesn't negotiate this stuff. He wants your heart. He wants your whole heart. Yeah, Lord, but how about I give you Sundays and uh, maybe I can keep Friday nights. How about, how, how about we swap and, and I do this and then uh, you let me keep this. Or He's like, no, no, just, just let it go. You know the best way to see if it's got your heart is to see how you feel about letting it go. See what kind of control or what kind of power it's got over you. See how you feel about actually letting that thing go, whatever it may be. Jesus is a master. He's pretty smart. He's very smart. And he knows how to You kind of see what's really going on in the person's heart. And so he's like, if, if yeah, there's no bartering there, there's no kind of, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll do this and I'll then maybe do that and I can keep this and do, you do that. He's like, this is the way. You want to follow me? Do this. And the man was like, I just can't do it. And so he walks away. We see this as well, that people desire the benefit of heaven without Jesus. We want the benefits of the kingdom of God without the king of the kingdom of God. And many people make decisions based on, I want to choose heaven and not choose hell. But that's not a choice. The choice is Jesus. We don't choose those two destinations. The choice is, will you choose Jesus? That determines, that affects. And so this man has everything in the world. He's rich. He's got power. He's got status. He's got influence. And Jesus says to him, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. So we read on then in Mark uh, chapter, 20, chapter 10, verse 23. It says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed. And they said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You know, this tells us as well the disciples' reaction when Jesus is like, you know, it's actually hard for someone with wealth to inherit the kingdom. It's actually hard for them. It's not, a, not necessarily an easy thing. We know that that actually messed a little with the disciples' theology at that point in time. Popular idea was that if you were wealthy, influential, if you had money, then you were actually blessed by God. And so they're like, what? The, the, the rich, it's hard for them? For those who have everything? They're not favored by God. You know, the rich and the religious were the ones that were seen as being favored by God. The religious who kept these commandments, who, who did their best to, to work the hardest. And those who had everything, they, they thought, this was mind-blowing to the disciples. They're like, what? They can't? 
surely if anyone can be saved, then it's them. And he's like, no, it's actually hard for them. And I love it because it says the, the disciples were amazed at his words in verse 24. And then in verse 26, the disciples were even more amazed. That's like first they went, wow. And then second they went, wow. They're like, wow, wow. They're amazed and then they're more amazed. They can't believe it. Minds are blown. The rich, it's hard for them. And then they ask the question then, well, then if they can't be saved, then who can be saved? And I bet you Jesus was happy they asked that question. Is this the point of this conversation? If they can't be, then who can be saved? There is no hope for anyone. If, God, if the rich, it's hard for them, then what about us? We've got nothing. We, we, we don't have influence. We don't have status. We, 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 we've left everything. We don't have anything. Well, with man, Jesus says, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So when they ask the question, who then can be saved? There's actually two answers to this question, depending on which perspective you look at. The first answer is nobody. Nobody can be saved. The second answer is anybody. Anybody can be saved. The, dis- the, the thing that distinguishes the two answers is which perspective are you coming from? Because Jesus says, well, with man, it's not possible. With man, it's not possible. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. If you want to inherit eternal life, you can't do it. You can't. You can work as hard as you want, but you can't do it. But with God, anybody can absolutely anybody the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor with God in the mix and only by God's grace can any of them be saved anyone in this room from the richest to the poorest and everything in between with God nothing is impossible if we rest on our own strength then good luck So here's kingdom reality check number two. The real success of your life will depend on who you depend on. The ultimate success in your life is actually going to depend upon who you depend upon. And we see that Jesus is is saying, you know why it's difficult for for the wealthy to inherit? Because they begin to depend on themselves, their ability to sustain themselves, to, to, to be able to look after themselves. There's almost this disillusionment that brings us to this lulling place where we feel we're comfortable. I actually don't need God. I'm pretty good. My, my books are balanced. I'm enjoying my life. I have no need for God. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? That's why it can be difficult for those who have a lot to recognize that they need Jesus just as much as someone who has nothing. The danger is when we begin to depend on what we have, what we can do, what we have done, rather than what he has done. That's when we fall into dangerous territory. 
Your real success in life is going to be determined by who you actually lean on in life, who you depend upon. That's what will determine whether your life is successful, fruitful or not. Who are you relying on? You think, no, more. that's just, you know, that's just this one man. Well, we read in Revelation, the book of Revelation, where Jesus is speaking to the church in uh, chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. Speaking to the church. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That's some encouragement right there for this morning. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shamefulness, shameful nakedness and self to put on your eyes so that you can see. What has happened in this, the church has been lulled into this false sense of security that we have everything that we need, therefore we do not need him. That's why it's hard. That's why it's probably a bit easier when you, you don't have a lot to know that you really need him. We sing songs like, Christ is enough. You know when that's tested? When he's all you got. Christ is, you, Jesus, you're all I need. You know when that's tested? When you really need him. And so it's a challenge to, to us even this morning. What are we depending upon? Don't get too comfortable. I loved what Pastor Karen said before. I don't like staying comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. Comfortable Christianity. I love it when you read Revelation and Jesus is like kind of shaking the church up a bit. Wake up. Hello. Wake up. The kingdom, it operates differently. That whole idea that this guy would have, by society's standards, he would have had everything. Other people would have looked at him like, wow, he's got it all together. He's got it sussed out. And Jesus is like, no, there's actually something else. Something more to life than, than just this. What are you depending on? Do our lives seriously confess that we need Jesus? You know, I need Jesus just as much on my best day as I do on my worst day. On the days when I think I've got it all nailed, when I'm ticking every box that's on the board, I still need Jesus as desperately as when I feel like I'm failing hard at life. We need Jesus in every situation, in every circumstance, in every season of life. We desperately need Jesus. That does not change based upon your performance or how you're doing. Our our understanding sometimes of the, the closeness of Jesus seems to be Connected to our performance, though, doesn't it? I feel like Jesus is really close when I'm doing real well. But when I'm not doing that well, it's kind of distant. Where where does that come from? It's our dependence. We need him in every situation. You with me? So then they're like, who then can be saved? 
And Jesus says, with God, anything is possible. And then I think Peter kind of clicks on. And you've got to love Peter. If you read in chapter 8, he, has the, you know, he confesses Jesus is the Christ, and then he rebukes Jesus after that. Then you read in chapter 9, the transfiguration is taking place, and Peter's like, whoa, this is awesome. It's great that we're here. We should build some stuff for you. And then we come to chapter 10, and Peter again speaks up. Verse 28, I think he just kind of clicked on. He's like, hang on a second. Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. What you've just asked that guy to do and he could not do, we actually have done. We've, we've got nothing anymore. The only thing that we have now is you and whatever you give to us. And then what does Jesus say to him? Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions. Just chuck that in there. Just kind of keep you humble. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Peter's like, we gave everything. And Jesus is like, yeah. And you're going to receive. You're actually going to receive reward for everything that you have given. So what this rich young man did not realize is that by holding on to what he had, he actually missed out on the real reward of life. By clinging to that which had his heart, he missed out on the richest eternal reward that was possible. Here is kingdom reality. Check the last one. What you've lost is not lack. For what you've given up is your gain. There are people sitting in this room today that would say those words. I've given everything to follow Jesus. I've lost relationships. I've lost my vocation. I've, I've done these things. And the words of Jesus to us today are words of encouragement. That what you have lost is not your lack. For what you have given up is actually your gain. Everything that you have given for the sake of the gospel is gain to you. His words will not be mocked. There are people in this room that have made sacrifices to follow Jesus. And some of us may think, well, I missed out on stuff because I was doing this. Or I don't have the same as everyone else because I chose to follow Jesus. You need to be encouraged this morning that your, your, your reward is not in those things anyway. Your, your inheritance is not found in those things. There is a much greater, much richer reward that awaits you. We think that we're kind of sacrificing, but in fact we're sowing. 
everything you let go of for the sake of the gospel, you're actually sowing and your reward will come. Go back to what Jesus says to that man. He says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Go and do this and you'll have treasure in heaven. It was right in front of his face. That if you do that, there's something there for you. There's something real for you. There's something eternal for you. Be encouraged that what you let go of for the sake of Christ is not lost. You will be rewarded. He has something for you. And I'm not saying that so that we just then go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just going to give everything up so I get a big, 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 big reward. That's not the point of it. It's as you follow him, when there is cost involved, there is actually reward attached. And this young man today is our example and encouragement that we don't miss it. Because we can look at him and laugh. <laughs> How could he not do that? But then we've got to ask ourselves, have we done that? We can say with one hand we desire Jesus and in the other we aspire to be the rich young man. Yeah, I desire him, but the aspiration of my heart and my life is actually pointing me in a different direction to that. So this for us, my friends, is a reality check this morning. You may not be wealthy. It's not about the wealth. It's actually about what has our hearts. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.